0: So today we're talking about Jesus' compassion and his provision. Uh, Mark is... Uh, writing this this gospel to help every reader and everybody he uh, published this out to, this first gospel that was written, to help people understand the true identity of Jesus as the Son of God. Today's miracle, the miracle of the feeding of 5,000 men plus wives and children, they estimate up to 20,000 plus were at this particular moment in time where this miraculous feeding happened. Uh, all the gospels have this feeding. And it really is to to demonstrate and to show that Moses, who had led the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, and God provided manna from heaven, bread from heaven. Uh, Moses made a, a prediction, a prophecy, that one day another prophet God would rise up, and him you were to listen to. It was the Messiah. And here, this miraculous feeding, where Jesus provides in the similar way uh, bread for thousands of people, like Moses did in the in the uh, wilderness for forty years with the children of Israel, but it also shows us some interesting lessons about ministry because Jesus is preparing his disciples to be an extension of the kingdom of God when he departs after his death and resurrection. Uh, People are hungry for God. God wants to use the disciples. He wants to use you and I to meet people's needs and appoint them to Jesus Christ for salvation and an opportunity to know God personally. And so this, this passage and this miracle lets us see some of those things too. So it's jo- uh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. And we begin in verse 30 to 34 to start with. It says The apostles returned to Jesus and they told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd And he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So here's this opportunity for the disciples to kind of get some rest they're fresh off a short-term mission trip if you would uh, Jesus sent them out two by two he gave them his authority uh, to heal the sick to cast out demons that they proclaimed the kingdom of God to all that were gathering in all those different towns and so they come back in this moment to share uh, all that had happened the the lives that have been changed the miracles that took place the the demonic uh you know, uh, strongholds that were broken and people were becoming free, but they were worn out. They were weary. Pouring out drains people. Serving can drain you. And Jesus knew when it was time to work, but also when it was time to rest. And so when you think about lessons in ministry, the first one shows up for us in this is that it's important for us to take time to rest and to recharge. Uh, there, the King James says that Jesus says, come apart right? So that we might go and get rest. Someone has said it like this, you need to come apart to rest before you fall apart in your life. Think about burning out. Uh, I think all of us Over time, if you've, you know, had like multiple layers of responsibilities in your life, you, you kind of redline and then you say things like, well, it's just a season. And you realize that that season runs into another season and you don't have any rhythms of rest. For the disciples, it was important that they would set time aside to be with Jesus. Remember Mark chapter three? That was the whole uh, calling of a disciple that they might be with him. And that they might be sent by him. To be an apprentice of Jesus is what a disciple uh, really means. It means that we are, are, spend time with him and a part of that time recharges our spiritual lives, right? God wants all of us to be uh, used in ministry and to serve. But when we're empty spiritually and we're weary, we really don't have anything to, to give out. So we come apart, and if you're, if you're not in the rhythm of this, let me encourage you. One of the best practices you could finish out 2020, 2021 with, toy boat, say that 10 times, 2021, tw- tw- this year, this year, if you finish out this year, here's a great practice, <laughs> to get a rhythm of a daily you know, habit of time in solitude, quietness. I think we all pray when we're driving, Right? You're like, oh, man, stupid idiots. You know, I got to be careful. I have Addison with me every Friday now. And Tammy reminds me like she's that close to saying, look at these stupid idiots driving around Clovis Avenue. That's what Gigi says. I try to tell her, Gigi, you can't talk like that. Addison's going to learn from you one day. We pray I know we all spend time, you know, talking with the Lord as we go about our day, and that's a beautiful reality that we can just talk to the Lord at any time. But there's also something beneficial in in setting aside some time. You know, we call it quiet time, some solitude where you just sit with the Lord. You open your Bible. You talk to the Lord about what's going on in your life. You talk to him about the things that are concerning you. And you just allow him to fuel your life. That's what what the disciples were doing, this two-hour boat ride. They were thinking it would be more time, but it's so vital for us to actually uh, receive from the Lord and to have a weekly rhythm of of rest. If your week is so busy that you have no time for just some downtime, you need to learn to say no to more things in your life. Like You need to give yourself, as we talked to couple weeks back, like stop living in fear of what other people will think if you just simply just say no, just no, I I don't have time to do that. I can't do that because solitude or rest on a weekly basis, that's what the Sabbath was all about. That rhythm for the children of Israel to set apart on the day of Sabbath, to just rest and to recharge their lives. So they get a couple hours. It's not a lot of time. Uh, Those of you guys that have been parents of little ones, you've Remember that baby would just sleep all the time. You can get so much stuff done, right? And then they had two naps. It started getting into a rhythm. Maybe you read baby-wise like we did. It was just like, okay, we got, what, hour, hour and a half max to get some things done. And then that baby gave up that first nap. And then they're down to one nap. Did any moms cry when the baby stopped napping altogether? Any parents cry? It's like, no, 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 you need to nap. The kids are like going, you don't get it, man. I'm 12. I don't need another nap, mom. I'm not going to just keep napping because you want to get stuff done. They think they're gonna have a little, you know, kind of retreat, if you would, across the sea. It was a couple hour drive. The people just wait. There's Jesus, there's the disciples, and they're heading in this direction. They could basically look across the sea, and they could see where they were actually heading. So they start running around on the seashore, and other people start collecting with them. They're like, yo, where are you guys going? Like, Jesus and the disciples are going to be exactly over here. We're trying to get there ahead of time. So by the time Jesus and the disciples show up, there's a crowd of maybe 20,000 people awaiting Jesus, just sort of sitting there like going... Oh, Jesus, here you are. We have needs. We want to hear from you. And so that's what happens. The disciples, they're ready for some downtime. I would imagine being tired. Does anyone get cranky when you're tired and sort of worn out? You get short with your, you know what I mean, with your loved ones, and you get cranky. You get kind of, I don't know, irritated with people, right? It's like, Peter, here, have a Snickers, man. You get cranky when you're hungry, I'd imagine they were at that place. But Jesus sees things differently. Again, remember, uh, as, as he came with a mission, Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. That's a miracle that takes place in the life of a disciple when you become less self-focused and you become other-focused. It begins in our households where we begin to serve the people that God has put in our lives first. And then you become an other-centered person to the people at your work or on your sport team or at your school. Jesus sees them in a different light. The the disciples saw them, perhaps as work. Jesus sees them, and he has compassion on them. One of the things that they're going to learn as disciples, one of the things that we will learn, is that it's so vital for us to, to, to see people the way Jesus sees them. They saw him as work. He saw them as uh, uh, an opportunity to show the love of God to. They saw him perhaps as a problem, a nuisance. Jesus saw them, as it says, as sheep without a shepherd, wandering, lost, and hurting. Jesus had compassion. On them, and he was moved literally at the core of his being is the, what the word describes. It's like a, it, like, it was like an intense internal feeling of compassion for these people because he saw every face, and every face represented a hurt. Every face represented a need or a hunger in their lives. You think about what these poor souls had gone through with the nation of Israel and the the disarray of their system of religion at this time. The Pharisees, it was just all about external do's and don'ts. There was no real connection with God. And Jesus saw them as people hungry for God to have a real experience with God as their dry religion doesn't satisfy at the soul level. So Jesus has compassion. And I love that when we read texts like this, you know, sometimes if you've read your Bible enough or you've been to church enough, you might hear about the miracle that's about to take place or just even just reading through your Bible. Man, every once in a while, I say every once in a while, every single time you and I read Scripture, we should be in the spot like. This is really happening. What Mark is describing to us is the character and the heart of God. When Jesus saw their hurting faces, hurting lives, their needs, their hunger, guess what? That's how he sees us this morning. That's how he sees this crowd right now. That he sees your needs, he has compassion towards you right? What you're facing, what you're dealing with. I think sometimes when we read scripture, it's like it feels so outside of us that we fail to realize like, man, this is where, this is the heart of God right now. Whatever you're dealing with right now, like he's got compassion for you. If you feel weary and worn out, he has a heart that wants to give you rest and to feed your soul. He wants to fill our hearts and meet our needs. I'm Way too often like the disciples, I think we all can can put ourselves in their shoes and go, man, I'm like, we're done. Like, time out. We want some rest. Send these people out of here, Jesus. But I want to be more like him. We think about lessons in ministry in this miraculous feeding that we're about to read about. The second one is this, is that we need to practice seeing people as Jesus sees them. Remember, he's preparing them to be an extension of the kingdom when he departs. That's what he's called all of us to do, right? Uh, you know, every, every I've, I've, heard, I've read this and I'm not sure I land on it. You know, every disciple is a Christian, but not every Christian is a disciple. I think that there's some, um, at least we can understand that There's a point where you move away from, yes, I say yes to Jesus, and I want to not go to hell. Is that a good reason to believe in Jesus? Yeah, 100%, right? That's a great reason. I want to spend eternity with God in heaven, and he's provided a way for me to do that. I believe in Jesus. But then there's that moment as you begin to grow in your relationship with God, you realize that he wants to mold you and shape you into his image where you become more and more like him. That's what a disciple does. They move in the direction as we apprenticeship underneath him. We learn from him in his word. We say, God, help me to see the people you've put in my life the way you see them. Anyone have any irritating human beings in your life? Right? Just nod and do this if they're right by you. Just go like this way. <laughs> At work, just p- family members, right? Um, I, think, I think all of us, man. You know, it's easy to go on a, you know, when we were, I was high school, pastor for a long time with my wife and you know we take young people on mission trips and stuff and uh and it's easy to go like love on human beings in a different country when a adult's hard-earned money sent you there for your little vacation with a purpose right as you know it's like oh it's like love everybody i love these people i don't speak their language but i love them hey take a mission trip to work tomorrow and show up there with the same heart and go that person if i have to hear about one more stupid story about what they did over the weekend or or we just look at people's lives we get to a place where we're not compassionate have you ever heard yourself say things like well they got what they deserved right because of their choices that they've made well that's the light they made their bed what do we say is that, is that a saying you made your bed, now you have to lie in it? I'm like, I thought you got rewarded for making your bed. Right? you actually like responsible. Yeah, if you made your bed, you need to lie in it. Man, I'm so glad Jesus doesn't treat me like that. Right? Here's what the reality. We all deserve nothing but his, uh, um, you know, our, we, we deserve nothing but his, you know, our destruction because of our sin, our rebellion to him. Don't ever say, Lord, I've been doing good. You really should reward me, right? Man, I'm so grateful he doesn't reward me based on my my, my behavior, my goodness. It's by, by his grace and his mercy. Wouldn't it be great if we learned to practice seeing those people that irritate us today and say, boy, what could God do through me if I just said, can I just accept them the way they are right now? And can I just love on them? That teacher that you work with, that coworker, that friend, that sibling, whatever it is, to have compassion on people the way he does us. You and I have to, we have to slow our lives down. We will shoo off every opportunity that God puts in our life simply because our lives are just too busy to even slow down to hear the stories about people so that we might have compassion for them, to know what's going on in their lives, Right? Compassion is really an, a, a, a revelation that you genuinely love somebody. If we God calls us to love our neighbor as ourself, that shows up through compassionate ways. You know, the, the sense of, man, I, I'm compassionate towards their situation and I want to provide some sort of help. I read a story about D.L. Moody, uh, they built a Sunday school program at his church that was so amazing that kids were literally walking blocks after block after block to get to this sunday school program and one day a man asked him said wait why are you going so far to this sunday school program there's a lot of churches by your neighborhood that you can go here's what the young man said he says they love a fellow over there that's why i go there kids know man when you actually have real compassion and love for them they know when you and i are, are irritated with them and shove them away kids can tell the difference And the disciples, I would imagine, had given off a vibe to the people like, oh man, look at that, Peter and John, they're all angry that we're here right now. Jesus shows compassion. Isn't that what a person should feel like being around a Christian? Isn't that what your coworker who lives a lifestyle that's so far removed from what you could even understand or comprehend, shouldn't they actually feel that from us as believers and go, You know what, I might not agree with the way you live. In fact, I know that it's actually going to lead to your destruction. But I want you to know, man, I actually want to treat you with compassion and have love for you simply because you've been created in the image of God. To have compassion like that. Jesus said they were like sheep without a shepherd. So as a good shepherd, he began to meet their greatest need. He began to feed them the word of God. And as he's teaching them, the hours are going on there's 20,000 people there. Peter looks down at his sundial watch and says, it is three o'clock. And so they're like, you know, here's a good time. Jesus took a breath. Let's go and talk to him right now. And here we see the rest of the story. It says in verse 35, that when it grew late, his disciples came to him. And they said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, here's where the irritation comes out. We can kind of hear it. And they said to them, how many, or excuse me, um, shall we go and buy them 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them and eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they find a little kid who brought a brown bag lunch. He had five pieces of bread and two fish that his mom wrapped up for him. Maybe eight to ten years old is what we read in the Gospel of John. It says, we found five loaves and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass or on the green grass. And they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing and he broke the loaves, gave it to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all and they all ate and were satisfied and they took up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces uh, and of the fish and those, notice this, who ate the loaves were 5,000 men plus women and children. The disciples see Uh, The same need among the masses as Jesus did, he just saw a different solution. Again, he, John tells us that he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew he was going to provide miraculously this day. He just wanted the disciples to be a part of this process. You know, they had just gone on a mission trip and they just see miraculous things taking place. You know, as they were casting out demons and as they're praying for people, they're being healed. And you might imagine that if this is their first time practicing these things. Remember, they watched Jesus do all this stuff up up to the beginning of chapter six. Now they're sent out. Now they're doing the same types of things Jesus is doing. And and you would think they'd almost start getting a little arrogant right and now here's this moment in time like we got five pieces of bread and two fish and Jesus wants us to find a way to feed it to these masses all of a sudden they realize I really don't have anything to offer in fact I have very limited powers and resources and everything we did back in the last couple of weeks was all done because of the authority and power of Jesus that he allowed to flow out of our lives man Lord, we don't know how we're going to do this. They start asking questions, right? How is this going to happen? Jesus said, you give them something to eat. They start trying to figure it out. You ever do that where you are just like, you start praying about something and, uh, and then in your mind you start going, and Lord, if this could happen and if you could make this happen and if this situation worked and if they said this, then I can see how you would answer that prayer. Amen, Jesus, right? Sort of give him some directions. So should we go and buy Eight months worth, when you and I read things in the Bible, like the amount of money that's used, and go like 200 denarii, I don't know, is that like five bucks? I don't know how that works. It's eight months of hard work, right? Uh, Post-tax money (laughs) to be used. You start doing that math, you go like, that's a lot. One person, eight months of their labor to feed some people? They could go buy their food themselves. Jesus says, you find a way to feed them. There's no money. There's no donkeys to carry the food back from the villages. You know, they start going through all the scenarios in their head. It seems like they're frustrated at the Lord's statement. In life, in ministry, in giving out your life, and just being a follower of Jesus, he'll ask you to do impossible things. Forgiving, unforgivable things, That's an impossible thing for a lot of people. In fact, I think it's it's impossible for everyone who's ever allowed their soul to feel the deep wound of another person. And Jesus says to forgive one another even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. Those are impossible things. Giving out something you don't have is also an impossible thing. How do we provide? How do we actually do things that God asks us to do when it's Not within our own, like our own abilities to do it. I don't have enough money. People ask these questions in their head. I don't have the right gifts. And it's as if Jesus is saying, stop looking at what's missing and what's actually there. It teaches them and us a dependence upon God. God, I want you to use my life, but I don't have the gifts that I see other people have. How am I supposed to be used by you? Well, It's all God. When you and I say, God, I will, as Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, through you, I can do anything you call me to do. As the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's teaching them, guys, you need to be dependent upon me. You're unable to feed them without his hand of blessing there. So Jesus asked them what they have. He doesn't ask them, what's missing? So what do you guys got? Well, I found this young kid. He is not stingy. He's sharing. He's got a brown bag lunch his mom, you know, little Johnny, and he's got five pieces of bread in this brown bag, and he's got two little sardines, you know, all preserved for him to eat. And he's willing to give it to everybody here today. And Jesus says, We can use that. He'll always be ready to use what you and I have. Here's a third lesson in this passage about how God wants to use you and I to meet the needs of others. It's this. We meet the needs of others with the resources that God provides. He wants you and I to show his compassion for people. He wants to meet the needs of people through us as well. That he would demonstrate his compassionate heart through his followers uh, in this room right now. And he would also meet the needs of people that are not only here, but also all around our community because you and I are called to actually meet those needs with the resources that he's given us. This is what ministry is. Ministry is meeting needs, spiritual needs, practical needs with the resources that God provides. I love what uh, Warren Wiersbe is a pastor and an author and a commentary writer that I reference much. He says, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through a loving person And in the end, God is the one glorified. Everyone says, God, you're so good that you would meet this need of mine. You take what gift you have, the resources that God has already equipped you with, and you bring it to the Lord. Very small things committed to the Lord can really make a big impact. A little can go a long way with Jesus. You bring it to him. It almost sounds hilarious. We got 5,000 men plus wives and kids, 20,000 people here, Jesus. But here's five loaves and here's two fish, right? And even though it's a tiny offering, Jesus will start with that. He takes what you have and he uses it when you and I bring it to the Lord. Our weaknesses Their limitations here are really an opportunity for God, right, to do something. That way it's clear. When something miraculous happens or something grand happens or you're able to be a part of someone's story of getting healthy and healed, you realize like, man, that wasn't me. That was God operating and doing a work through me because I was just available. And I took what little thing I had, time, gift, resources, whatever it is, and it actually was able to be used by the Lord, right? Dep- dependence on him to accomplish a work for him. Here's what Paul says. Uh, Paul was in a moment when he was really wanting to, um, you know, he had, God had used him in so many miraculous, amazing ways and the Bible says that he said a thorn was given to him, a messenger of Satan. We don't know what it is. it a physical ailment. Uh, we know that Paul might have had trouble with his eyes based on reading the little book of uh, Philippians. He had some issue going on that he was just like, Lord, I, I want you to remove this from me. It's, in his mind, it was giving him a limp in life, if you would. Right? He didn't feel full capacity in his life. And here's what Jesus says to him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I think all of us can say, I can find a reason why God can't use me. Why God can't, you know, um, yeah, do a work through me to be a part of somebody else's growth as a Christian or finding Jesus or just meeting a need, a physical need that somebody else has. Lord, how can you use me? I'm not gifted like others. Uh, A lot of times we feel like, well, I have a past I'm really ashamed of, and gee, if they knew who I really was, then would they actually want me to be a part of their journey? God delights to use us to meet needs, and he delights to use small things those areas of our life or those gifts of our life that we just feel like they just don't measure up when you look around maybe at other people. You think of big gifts, you think of massive ways that you see God moving uh and you think, man, how could God use what I have is so insignificant? Compared to what other people, I love reading through the book of Acts. You know, you see the growth of the church. It went from 120 men and women in the upper room praying. The day of Pentecost comes. Peter stands up. He proclaims the gospel message. He ties his what was happening on the day of Pentecost and the miracle of the Holy Spirit coming and and and, and filling the church at that time. And, he, and he's, you know, quoting Old Testament passages. And that day, he, he basically says, here's the, here's the end of the story. God calls you to repent of your sins. And 3,000 people that day confessed their sin, got baptized, and now the church went from 120 to 3,120 people. That changes the fishy cracker ratio that the church needs to buy, right, to actually take care of all those people. who are like, we didn't order enough donuts John, what's wrong with you? Right? So, this church just grows and it's massive. And then it just continues to grow like that. We get to chapter 10, we're about to see the beginning of how the, how the gospel message spread to the Gentile world. The, the, at this time, it was only the Jewish communities that were hearing the good news and a few outliers. But now there's this moment when God wants to take the gospel message to all the nations. So, the writer Luke's telling us, like, this is how Peter's getting to this moment where he's going to share with this group of Gentiles, and the same experience is going to happen. The Spirit of God's going to fall on them, and they're going to, you know, be filled with the Spirit, and they're going to continue to, you know, grow uh, believers throughout the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. But Peter's in this other this other little town, and there's this disciple. Her name is Tabitha, or Dorcas is actually her name, and um, and she ends up dying. Well, the group of followers there, they're like, dude, Peter is just in a town away. They go and get Peter. Peter shows up, right? Dorcas, she's she's gone. She's in this back room. She's already passed away. And what's amazing is, is that all the widows start coming up to Peter, and they're weeping and crying because Dorcas is no longer with them. And they start showing them all the different, like, tunics, these outer garments that they would wear to keep them warm. I want you to remember, In a world like 2,000 years ago, to be a a woman without a son or a husband in that time period, you're alone. And there's no government help coming from Rome, right? There's no money coming that just keeps on coming. Can you imagine how alone they must have felt? And here's here's this godly woman who follows Jesus, who spends time with the Lord, and had heard about all the miracles taking place, You wonder if Dorcas is like, how can you use me? The only thing I do is knit. I don't know if that's how it works, but right. Something like that. I don't know. If maybe you need to start your own knitting ministry. How can you use me, Lord? Guess what? After she's gone, dozens of them are surrounding Peter. Look what she made me. How did it change your life? Um, It didn't let me freeze to death at night. Can anyone say that would be like a, a really helpful thing? Like, you know, I mean, you think about like ministry. Oh, he really spoke to me. Oh, that song. Oh, just stirred my heart. You know, all these different things that, you know, Christians, God uses Christians to do. It's like, what, what about you? What did you do? Oh, I kept people from freezing to death at night. Okay. I'm going to say, let's take, let's take what Dorcas might've thought about her tiny little gift and let's elevate it to the place of not, no one dying. Or or not crying out in the middle of the night. God, I'm so alone and so cold. Does anybody care? And there they are. Their shawls, their tunics, their blankets, right? She knitted Green Bay Packer ones. She knitted all these, you know, just all these different things to display love and God's blessing and showering on these people. Acts tells us this, that she was full of good works and acts of charity or love. Lord, how could you use me? What can I, the only thing I can do is knit. I don't have these big gifts like Peter. If we were to ask the, um, you know, the, the, the group of disciples that were there, you know, brokenhearted because uh, Dorcas was gone, of all the miracles that, you know, in all the different ways God's used his disciples over the last you know, few years there in Jerusalem and as it began to grow and spread around, which one's the most significant? All of them would say, dude, the, uh, the, the shawl that I got from Dorcas, the ministry that I felt, the love I felt from this very practical gift, right? Dorcas was a woman who was filled up. She was a disciple, it tells us. She saw needs. There's widows that don't have proper clothing and items to keep them warm at night. And she used what she had to meet those needs. Peter shows up, heals her. She re- rises back up. Everyone's super pumped, right? Ordinary people. You know what real ministry happens in our world? I, we live in a world of, you know, social media and, uh, and you all take some digital Sabbaths every once in a while. It's really good for your soul. Right? You might realize that you actually don't miss it at all. I saw a young lady that uh, Tammy and I've known for years. She looks so filled with joy. I'm like, Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? What's going on? She's like, I've been off Instagram for eight months. I'm like, That's it. I knew I've recognized that. She also was filled with the Spirit of God, but it was just like, Oh, okay. I'm like, Well, that's why you haven't been liking my stuff now. Is that what? I thought you were and I weren't friends anymore. Ordinary people with ordinary gifts can be used in extraordinary ways. By God. When we bring our gift to him and say, Lord, it's so insignificant. I don't have the gifts that other people have. Real ministry happens like that. Why did I bring up Instagram? Oh, because they email me and say, I haven't been on for a little bit. That's what it was. It's, it, it's because it's, it's the, the, um, the explosions in the air, right? The fireworks. That's what gets attention, Look what this person did. Look what this and I'm not diminishing it. I'm just saying that we are drawn to the fireworks, right? But you know, through the centuries, do you know the things that have been actually impacting lives in a, the most significant way? It's just a loving channel meeting a physical, practical need that leads them to an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody. It's a kind person at somebody's job where everybody else shuns that person and a Christian sits down and says, tell me your life story. How can I help you get from here to here? Can I actually be a part of your journey? Do you have a single parent? Do you have any needs that we can come and actually be a part of just a tiny solution it was one meal, and it led to a sermon Jesus gives the next day where he tells them that he's the bread of life given from God that, come down, that has come down from heaven, and that he who, or, and she who believes in me will never hunger or never thirst again. They all sit down. You think of Psalm 23 that he makes them lie down in green meadows, green pastures, Jesus wants to sit down with them and have a meal. I love that, man. They all sit down and, you know, kind of big, you know, big groups, 50, 100, you know, just like a, like an assembly, you know, of people just scattered all across, you know, like little, you know, flowers just in the grass. And here's Jesus sitting down with them. He blessed God who provides. And then we see his power. He creates We'd seen his power. Again, remember, Mark's getting us to understand, like, this is not just a, a rabbi. This is the son of God. He's the son of God, the promised king who is to come and be the Messiah, not only for the nation of Israel, but for the entire world. And Mark tells us in chapter five, he had power over creation when he said, peace be still to the storm and the, and, and the wind and the waves. Now he has power to create because he's God. And so he takes the bread, and all of a sudden it just starts just continues to come. It just continues to flow. The disciples for two hours are handing out bread and fish to every single person in the end. Everyone was full, including the disciples. They look around, they all get 12 baskets. And there's this miracle that takes place, right? Bread and fish continue to multiply for two hours plus, and everyone is satisfied. That is a great little illustration of of what God wants to do in all of our lives is to really be, as he says the next day, the bread from heaven, it's me. I'm the bread of life. And here she who believes in me, comes to me, will never hunger or thirst. He said it in John 4. If you drink this water, speaking of the the things that this woman at the well in John 4 had been just continuing to seek after, relationship after relationship, acceptance And all the things that come with it, he says, you'll be thirsty again. He goes, but if you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst again. And it will be, as he described the Holy Spirit, like gushing forth in her life, in her soul, forever. I love Psalm 81, it says, for it was I, the Lord says, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt, open your mouth wide and I will fill it with good things. There's always enough. There's always enough grace, there's always enough mercy, there's always enough love to overflow in our lives and really through our lives, the disciples continue to get filled up. It's comforting to know, by the way, that Jesus can and wants to meet our needs. Paul told the church in Philippi, he says, "'And my God will supply every need of yours "'according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus.'" It's great lessons in ministry, but there's certainly one personal one for us is to say, what's the need you have today? I think all of us come here today, yes, does the Lord want to use you? Yeah, we'll close with that. He wants to use you. He wants you to be an extension of his kingdom. But guess what? Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, were jars of clay that hold this treasure. Fragile, wounded, beat up. And whatever you got going on today, I want you to know that the Lord doesn't look at you like as a number, you know what I mean? Like, you know, well, well, can you kick? Can you catch? Okay, great, you're gonna play on my team. He looks at you as a sheep whom he loves. And I think a great moment to pause is to say, Lord, I gotta spend some time with you this week because I've got some needs in my life. I'm weary. I'm worn out. I'm in a position where... I don't know which direction to go in. Those are scary moments when you hit parts of your life you're like, I don't even know what decision I need to make right now. I just know I can't stay stuck in this spot. Whatever that is, I want you to know that God cares about that very thing. As he looked at the faces and he saw hurts and needs and hunger, he looks across our gathering this morning and he sees those needs. Get with the Lord this week. He supplies abundantly when you and I come to him. Spend time with him, as I mentioned earlier, in solitude and quiet, bringing your needs to him, whatever that is. Lord, I'm overwhelmed. Lord, I'm weak. I keep yielding to temptation. Whatever that struggle, that need, that area of help that you have, uh, uh, you're desperate for, man, God wants to meet that need. I love that Jesus meets the spiritual needs, but he also meets the practical needs. You know, sometimes the best way to be used by the Lord in, in, in bringing the gospel to someone is to begin with just the practical things that they have going on, meeting a practical need that somebody has. I think all of us can look around and say, but you know what they need? They just need some encouragement. You might have a, a friend that says, or, or a person at work, or somebody, whoever God puts in your heart, And it's just a little text every single week. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm on your side. And I want you to know that God is for you. And a little tiny verse. You you have no idea in those moments. Maybe you've been a recipient of one of those text messages. You just go like, dude, somebody cares about me. Someone actually loves me enough to take a moment in time. They took 23 seconds out of their day. How loved are my, right? They did. It took some time they said I want you to know that you matter. People have practical needs that need to be met, right? We can't say, hey, I want you to know Jesus loves you, but ignore their real needs. That's why I love the ministries that we've been able to partner with. Think of Haiti uh, Gospel Outreach. We've been a part of them. You guys have been a part of your generous giving, giving to Haiti Gospel Outreach for over a decade now. That supports uh, the schools they have, the school programs, the orphanages that they have, uh, the pastors, that there's no resources to help them actually live. We've been able to actually help uh, supply part of the income for Pastor Melee and uh, Pastor Waki uh, over there in Haiti. It's practical stuff. It's like, hey, what do you guys need? Can we bless you with some Bibles? Or like, I need to put food on the table, right? That would be a practical need. Uh, rescue the children. Over a decade, RVC's been a part of uh, supporting Rescue the Children, right, out of our REACH fund. Uh, our, our monthly gift to them supplies money for one mom and two kids for their room and board for the entire month. How do we help some, a young mom who's maybe left out of prison or been homeless how do we help a young mom? Hey, I just want you to know, Jesus loves you. Come to our church. We'll give you a Bible. She's like, how about a place to get healthy and healed and get my mess cleaned up so I can actually like, be successful in life? Like, That's a great way to start, right? I think too often the church has been like, hey, Jesus loves you, but yeah, we can't help you. I actually, I actually ran into a Rescue the Children graduate at Starbucks one day. Because we we had gone and we will after the pandemic is all done, in the next decade, uh, we will go and we do these family fun nights and we this mom we'd see her she's there for 18 months, and I was at Starbucks and she's this ladies with all her coworkers from you know her law firm, and she comes up like hey Pastor Gordon what's up and I'm just like going like. I'm 51 now. This is, I was like 48, and I'm just going, I need to take that brain supplement. I need to take that brain supplement. So I'm like, do I know you from People's Church when I was an intern? Do I know you from Orange County? Do I know you from the gym? Do I know you from CrossFit? Do I even know you? Who are you? How did you know my name? And she's like, I graduated from the program. Tell your church, thank you. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you guys exist. <laughs> like, it's so rad to see that you actually are kicking butt in life. Any kids here today? Oh, I got my teens here. I gotta be careful. City without orphans. You guys help kids that were aged out. You guys know RVC has been a part of young people that go to school at Clovis Community College. They're aged out of the foster care system. Do you know what that means? It means they can get some help for their books, but there's no one in their life to help them with toiletries, uh, uh, an outfit to get a job, you know, to go to a job interview, gas carts to get to school sometimes. Like, those are, how does it, it's so hard for the church to be like, here's our branded message of the gospel, right? I mean, everyone's got, we, you know, knowing Jesus and making him known. Like, I'm out of deodorant, and I don't have a mom or an aunt or anybody to help me. And to think, like, you guys put bags together so that those young people heading into the summer months had something. The city, uh, Central Valley Justice Coalition, I've told you guys this in the past, that RVC's been able to give them $18,000 in the last 18 months to help fund their programming, by the way, to help young kids not get trafficked in Fresno and Clovis. It's like, does that happen? I mean, you think like, that's like in Cambodia or something like that. Every single high school, Clovis North, Buchanan, Clovis West, Go C-Dub, right? All the schools have, every one of these schools have had young people, young girls um, contacted by human traffickers. Every single high school in this community. Do we need prevention in her, yeah. Like in 10 years, they literally could slow or eliminate the trafficking that happens with our young kids that are in schools through this kind of programming. How do we say, man, Jesus loves you, but man, we can't be a part of the practical things. So, you know, God bless you guys. Thank you for those, that, that faithful giving because it makes an impact. God wants to use you. We're gonna wrap it up. Fuego's gonna come out, and by the way, so awesome to have Daniel and Maddie, the young girl that's leading worship up here today. Compassion. Have some compassion in your life. See people the way Jesus sees them. Seek to meet the needs that God puts in front of you this week. You, if you see a problem, you're the solution. That sounded almost like a uh, um, ice ice baby, didn't it? Yo, know, there's a problem. Yo, I'll solve it. Um, who am I thinking of right now? I'm so sorry. The next service is going to get way better. Vanilla Ice, there we go. <laughs> People say, oh, I see this needed at RVC. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome because God's putting it on your heart to actually fill that need, right? Sometimes God shows us things that you're going to, how come no one else is paying attention to this? Maybe it's because God wants to use you. So this week, God, give me the ability to have your compassion for people. God, give me the ability to see a need and with the resources that you provide, actually meet that need. Maybe it's meeting with someone weekly and discipling them. Maybe there's a young Christian at at your place of work. Man, meet with them. Join a serve team. Help us welcome people that God brings to RVC. Serve uh, kids in our foster system. Maybe God, maybe he doesn't put it on your heart to actually bring kids into your, to your household, but you can be a part of the solution. Or maybe God is calling you to open your home to allow foster kids to be there and to be loved and to be nurtured. Whatever it is, man, let's, let's, take these ministry lessons, spend time with the Lord, let's get compassion for people, and then, man, see the needs and meet them this week. This week, ask God, God, put someone in my path this week that I might be a part of showing your love in a practical way. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. God, thank you for allowing us, Lord, to study your Word together, to grow in our understanding of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Lord, Here, the disciples get Some lessons on, uh, Lord, how to be effective in ministry. Lord, we see your compassion and your provision for people, and we know that you want to use us, your disciples, God, as extensions of your kingdom. So, Lord, help us to walk with you this week, to stay close to you, to be recharged. God, help us to see the people in our lives as you really see them, God. And, Lord, to meet the needs, to meet the needs with the resources you give us, small, maybe insignificant, Lord, but when you take it, God, it changes a life. And Lord, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of being used by you and being extensions of your kingdom here in this community. Lord, we love you. We praise you today, God. And we, we ask that, God, you would give us the ability to serve you, Lord, this week, to bring honor and glory to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.